We've been in the book of Daniel. Um, for the last few weeks, we've been walking through it chapter by chapter and, and, and looking at how do we live in a pagan world without becoming pagans. And um, the first half of the book of Daniel is really biographical. It's telling us who Daniel is. It's, um, it's affirming to us that he is a prophet of God, that God is with him. And then the last half of Daniel is, is a bunch of visions and prophecies and dreams that he has that lay out the end times, that lay out what's coming in history. And so Harry thought, well, I'll make Marty preach all of them. <laughs> when I first looked at the outline uh, he, he sent me, I, I thought it said Daniel 7, 1 to 12. And I was like, oh, that's not that, that's not that bad. Like Daniel 7, 1 to 12, we can, we can do that. Stops a little bit at a weird place, but there's a reason for it, I'm sure. And then I emailed him, and he said, no, no, 7 to 12. There's no colon. It, it's, it's chapter 7 through 12. Um, so we are going to look this morning at Daniel 7 through Daniel 12. And uh, we're going to do a little bit differently. Instead of diving into the details, I mean, there's so many visions and dreams here that we, we could spend weeks walking through them um, piece by piece. So the question that, that I want us to ask when we head to the text this morning is, why is it here? When, when, when the Israelites first read this, what, what did it do for them? And what does it do for us so many years after that? If you're willing and able, will you stand with me as we read from a few different places in the book of Daniel? We're not going to read Daniel 7 to 12. That, that, would, that would take the whole, whole time that we've got this morning. But we'll read a few different verses. Daniel 7, verse 15, it says, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the true meaning of all of this. Daniel 7, verse 28, and it writes, This is the end of the matter, and I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts. My face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Daniel eight twenty seven. Daniel says, I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days, and that I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. And towards the end of Daniel, Daniel 12, verses 9 and 10, he says, the one who is speaking to him says, Go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is God's words without error in any part. It is given for his glory and for our good. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask this morning as we open your word that your spirit would illuminate it for us, that it would help us to understand it this morning, and that you would use it. You would use it to challenge us and convict us, and you would use it to encourage us. We ask your spirit be at work in our hearts through your word this morning. We pray this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen. You can be seated. You'll notice in your 
your bulletins that I, I titled the sermon Back to the Future. It's one of my favorite movie series of all time. The first one and the second one are good. The third one is not good. But it, it doesn't diminish the fact that the first one's excellent and the second one's pretty good. So uh, the second one, though, came out in, um, in 1989. I was uh, six or seven years old, depending on when it was released. And um, got to watch it. And, and, and you think about it, it's a movie that just a few years ago we were looking at how amazing its prophetic powers were. Right? If, if, if you remember in the movie, it predicted a few things. And it predicted something that um, people like myself, who are St. Louis Cardinals fans, never thought possible. The Cubs winning the World Series was predicted by Back to the Future 2. And they got the year right. And that was amazing. But also amazing was the fact that it predicted flat screen TVs. And clear Pepsi. And hoverboards. Though ours look a little bit different and are not nearly as cool. It was a glimpse into a future. And, and, and we all want that glimpse. We all want to know what's next. We want to know what's coming down the path at us. We want to know what's up ahead. So we can prepare ourselves for it. As best we can. So we're looking at Daniel this morning. That's what Daniel 7 to 12 does. It lays out for us the future. Now, for, for us, some of it's the past already, but when it was written, it was the future. And some of it's still the future for us. So why is it here? You may be familiar with the name of Florence Chadwick, and you may not. She was a swimmer, and a really good one, um, very accomplished. She was born in the early 1900s. The age of 10, her uncle decided to see if she could sink or swim and threw her into a competition. And this wasn't like down at the local Y or the local neighborhood swim club where they like swam one lap and, and, and who was the fastest. This was a two and a half mile rough water competition. At the age of 10, she finished in fourth. At the age of 11, she would win her first long distance swim. And she'd go on to do some crazy things. She'd swim the English Channel both ways, being the first woman to do it. She'd swing, swim the Straits of Gibraltar. She set out at the age of 34 to swim the coast of California, the Catalina Island, back to Palo Verde, California. 26-mile open water swim in the Pacific Ocean. And uh, she, she set out to do it. In the morning she um, jumped in, the water was cold because the water of the Pacific Ocean is. I know a few of you are from California. You have wonderful weather. You have cold water. You know, we, we get the Gulf Stream on the East Coast. It's beautiful. It stays warm in the, the summer, and it, it's refreshing, and it's not, it's not teeth-chattering cold. And the Pacific Ocean is, always. She jumped into the water, and that stretch of 26 miles is also shark-infested. I've seen enough shark weeks to know I'm not jumping in water that sharks are going to be in. We see them occasionally on the East Coast, but not very often off of Virginia Beach. And usually it's like a nurse shark or something. Those are like pet sharks. But they got like real sharks in California that will eat you. And she jumped in and she began to swim. And it was a very foggy day. She swam for 15 hours. And at the 15 hour mark, she began to say, I'm not sure I can do it. I can't make it. And her mother on one of the boats 
um, along with some other people, kept saying, you can. And she's surrounded by these support boats. A few of them had men with rifles to shoot the sharks. A few of them had her coaches and and, and then her her mother and her brother who were cheering for her. And the 15-hour mark, she said she couldn't do it. They pushed her, and she went a little bit further. And just before 16 hours, she gave up, and they pulled her out of the water. And they took her to shore, and in an interview afterwards, what she began to realize is that the fog had made her unable to see the end. She was less than a mile from the coast of California when they pulled her out of the water. In the interview, she said, I don't want to make an excuse for myself, but if I had just seen the end, I think I could have done it. I could have finished. And she would go on and finish that swim at another time. That's what Daniel 7 is doing for us. All of these prophecies, all of these dreams, all of these visions are giving us a picture of the end. Giving us a glimpse of the shore, of the finish line. And by doing that, it it, it gives us three things. It gives us courage, it gives us hope, and it gives us the power to persevere. So if if you look with me, Daniel 7 to 12, seeing the end, it gives us courage to face our foes, to face the enemy. Not just the ones that we battle every day. I don't know who's lined up across the line from you. I don't know who's on the other end of the court. I don't know what you're battling. But knowing that the end is finished and that it's already written gives you the courage to jump into the ring and to fight. And it's not just the enemies that are on the outside, it's the evil that lies within our own hearts. It's the person that we stare at in the mirror each and every day. It's the sin that lies in wait for us. Knowing that there is this end gives us the courage against our foes. Daniel writes, Daniel chapter 7, 23 to 27, he says, giving an explanation of his dream. He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. And after them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones, and he will subdue three kings. And he will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. And the saints will be handed over to him for a time, times and a half time. But the court will sit, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. And then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints. The people of the Most High and his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. And all the rulers will worship and obey him. At times, I, I know we can feel like this world is winning. I mean, in, in Virginia, we have been through a, 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 an interesting legislative season, to say the least. From yearbook pictures to laws that died in committee, it's been an interesting year. And it can feel like at times that we're losing more and more of the good fight. That, that we're losing more and more ground to the kingdoms of this world and to evil. 
And Daniel 7 says that's going to happen. I mean, we, we have a, a vision of these four beasts in Daniel 7. And the fourth is one like any, not like any other. And it's going to rise up and challenge the Most High. And for a time, it's going to subdue God's people. But there's an end. And in that end, what happens? Even this fourth kingdom is destroyed. And the sovereignty and the power and the greatness is handed over to the saints, to the people of God, to the Most High, whose kingdom lasts forever. Whose kingdom lasts forever. Daniel 8. It's the vision of the ram and a goat of Persia and Greece. Daniel 8 is crazy. It's, it's so detailed in Daniel 8 that you can tell not only what kingdom it is, but what their moves are. I mean, like if this is a game of risk, you know they're going to take this nation next. And it says in 21, The shaggy goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. The four horns that replace the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from this nation, but will not have the same power. And in the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a stern-faced king, a master of intrigue, will arise, and he will become very strong, but not by his own power. And he will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. And he will destroy the mighty men and the holy people. And he will cause deceit to prosper. And he will consider himself superior. And when they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. And yet, and yet he will be destroyed. But not by human power. You know, the passages we read together this morning were all kind of somber in tone. And you can see why as you read these things. You can see why that Daniel says his face was pale or that he spent several weeks ill lying there. Because things like this, the, the prince of prince will be challenged. The people will be overthrown. Daniel wants an end to the evil now. Daniel wants an end to these other kingdoms now. He wants the kingdom of God to come and be established forever now. And so do we. We long for it. And yet, the visions say, the dreams say, there's going to be a time of them. They're going to last for a little while. They're going to be given dominion for some time. But in the end, even they will lose. Even they will be overthrown. And Daniel 8 gets it even more right and vivid when it says it's not by human power that they will be ended. You know, I, um, I have two daughters and we do Friday night movie nights. and I'm not always able to, to watch movies with them on Friday nights, but the weeks that I am, we, we tend to watch movies that are classics for my own childhood or my own life and so one of them that's one of my favorites is the movie the lion king and uh, there's a scene in the lion king where simba ventures into the shadowlands where he's not supposed to go and he's cornered by the bad guys by the hyenas and he thinks i'm a lion 
So he, he, he has the power and the might to scare them away, to defeat them. And, and he, you can see he's, he's building up this mighty roar. And he roars and he goes, <laughs> And they laugh at him and they mock him. And he, he's like, okay, I got, he, he like, almost clears his throat. Like, that wasn't good enough. I need to try again. And, and he goes to let out another one. And this time it's not his little wimpy roar. But it's a roar that fills the whole movie theater if you're there. If you've got a, a decent surround sound system, the whole living room. And if you're like me, it's just loud. And he thinks really highly of himself for a moment. And then his father jumps into the scene and the hyenas go running. We have courage to stand against our foes. We have courage to stand against evil because our Father has jumped into the scene. Our power, our might is not what overcomes. When we have victory, it is only because the power that we have been given in the Holy Spirit. It is only because the victory that has been won by Christ it's only because our God jumped into the scene. And we can have courage because of that. Daniel has courage to continue on. He has courage to stand up and do the things that he's doing because he's assured of the end and that the kings of this world do not win. And evil's day comes to completion not just courage we have hope we have hope in our distress Daniel chapter 9 starts off Daniel writes in the first year of Darius son of Xerxes a Mede by descent who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom in the first year of his reign I Daniel understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years and so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes. He reads Jeremiah and he realizes 70 years we were supposed to be here. And he's been there a while now and he's probably done the, the math on the wall with the chalk like he's in prison kind of thing and figured out we've only got a little bit left. And so he goes to the Lord in prayer. Now, now what's interesting is what he prays. It's not for a quickening of the end. It's not for, it's actually a prayer of confession, he says. He says, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and your laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers. Lord, you are righteous and we are covered with shame. He goes to the Lord in prayer and confesses in his distress. He, he, he's actually somewhat maybe even fearful that their sins, their continued sins, may mean the Lord prolongs their time in captivity. And so in, in his distress, in his trouble, in his sin, he goes to the Lord. And he prays and confesses. And, and he keeps going. He says, hear our prayers and petitions for your sake, O Lord. Look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of your city, 
that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because you have great mercy. Oh, Lord, listen. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, hear and act for your sake. My God, do not delay. Because your city and your people bear your name. He's crying for a savior. He's crying for mercy. As he sits in the shame of his sin, confessing it to God, he cries for mercy. And the Lord answers. The Lord answers him and, 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 and gives him this vision. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people and making requests to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifices. And he instructed and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you. For you are highly esteemed. And therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgressions, to put an end to sin and to atone for wickedness, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. The seventy-sevens. You know, when we went through our um, series this uh, Advent season, and we got to the wise men, and Harry asked the question, you know, the trivia question, who was the first wise man? Do you remember that? It was to this passage that he took us. The 77s, 490. It, it's why the wise men knew to be looking in the east for a king to be coming, because it had been prophesied to Daniel here it had been given to him. It had been told to him that one was going to come, and that's how long it was going to be. And this one that was coming would bring with him an everlasting righteousness. He would atone for the wickedness. In fact, it, it ends in chapter 9 saying, in the, in, in the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed and poured out on, on him. See, the hope in our distress is that our sins and God's wrath have been poured out on someone else. Daniel cries for a Savior and he's given a vision of who? Of Jesus. That one is coming who will bring everlasting righteousness. One who is coming who the desolation and the abomination will be poured out on him. He who knew no sin will become sin for us. For Daniel. Daniel goes on to ask as the, the, the book closes. Daniel 12, he asks the question, how long? Daniel 5 to 13, he, it's going through and, and, and these, these guys are telling him how long it's going to be. Verse 8, he says, I heard, but I did not understand. And so I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? Now, this is kind of crazy to me. He's been having these visions and these dreams. And he's being given interpretation after interpretation every time. And it always ends with the Lord winning. And Daniel, we get to the end and he says, I don't understand. How's it all going to end? I'm pretty thick-headed. 
I understand why Daniel is, is wondering what's going on because I, I read this a lot over the last few weeks and at times still was like, what is happening? And I think we, we wonder that and, and, and we, we can become like Daniel asking when and when and when. You know, um, my oldest daughters begin to tell time. When she was unable to tell time, we could say, you got, you know, you got 10 more minutes and then like two minutes later, we'd be like, 10 minutes is up, time to go. Um, but now that she can tell time, she'll be like, that wasn't 10 minutes. And you're like, ah, school, darn you. <laughs> or how long is it going to be? Or, you know, when can you do this? I think that's what we get like with God. How long is this going to last, Lord? How long is my suffering going to be? How long is evil going to be there? How long are we going to have to deal with this thing? And how, how, how does Daniel get answered? It's not very helpful. In a lot of ways, but it also is. Daniel chapter 12, verse 9. The men that are speaking to him, one of them says, Go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the end of time. Many will be purified and made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. And then it gets confusing again. It says, from the, the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. How long? How long this time of suffering? How long will these kingdoms of evil reign? How long? How long? Daniel, go your way. Go your way, Daniel. You will rest at the end of your days, and then you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. The angel says, be content knowing the Lord has allotted the time needed. Be content knowing the Lord has allotted the time needed to refine those he's refining. Be content knowing the Lord has numbered your days as he needs them numbered, as you need them numbered, that you may be presented to him. It's not really helpful in so many ways. It doesn't give us any clarity on how long other than the time that is needed has been allotted. And Daniel's okay with it. It ends there. He doesn't ask again. He's okay with it because it, it gives him a picture of your days have been numbered and then you're going to rest and after you've rested for the time allotted, you're going to rise and be given the inheritance that's allotted to you. You know, when you're facing suffering, when you're facing temptation, when you're facing the evil in the world around us, realize the Lord has numbered the days he needs to refine you that he may present you to the most holy one, to the ancient of days, blameless and full of faith. Suffering does that to us. You have to think that the, the greatest suffering of all that happened at the cross did one thing. Think about this, that, that, that our Savior, who was crucified and sent for three days into the grave, who had the wrath of God poured out upon him, did what? Gained for us unfathomable grace. Gained for us eternal, blessed, and assured rest. 
we can have hope. We can have hope as we look in the mirror at our sinful hearts that it's been covered and paid for. We can have hope as evil presses in around us because our Savior is risen. And we have a sure and blessed eternal rest ahead of us. There's also here the power to persevere in our trials, the power to continue in our trials as God's people and the temptations we face to lay aside our faith. There is power in the promises of the hope to come. There is power in knowing the end that lets us press on. How do all these visions end? I don't know what I'm doing. None of them end with evil winning. None of them end that way. Daniel, Daniel 7, in the first one, it, it says that even this fourth king who's unlike any other will be overthrown. Daniel 8, the rams and the goats, the most powerful of them will be burned up and devoured. It ends with Daniel, go about your ways and you will then rest and then you will raise to your allotted inheritance. Evil doesn't win. Suffering doesn't win. Evil loses. Suffering ends. Temptation stops. We can find the power to persevere because we know it's only temporary. We know it's not going to last. You know, when, when I was a, a football coach in, in Florida, um, August is a terrible time in Florida. It's hot all the time, but August is really bad. And we would start football practice in late July every year, and we, we'd hit two-a-days in August. And uh, one year we went on a camping trip as a team. Um, not to, like, cabins with air conditioning, Okay, just camping at a state park. It was miserable. I hated every moment of it. I don't know whose decision it was. It was not mine. I was not happy. And I had my little camping hammock, thinking like, oh, you know, I, I won't be in a tent with anybody else. It'll just be my body heat. And like, I can leave the, the top off and just have the bug, the bug net over me. And it'll be comfortable um, because I'll have a breeze that wasn't true. It wasn't comfortable. There was no breeze. It was just humid, stagnant air. And the one thing that kept me going and didn't make me go home after the first night was the fact that I was going to get to go home after the second night. There was an end in sight. And the boys felt the same way. And I think some of them, if they had cars, would have gone home after the first night. It was terrible. There are places and times and seasons of life that are terrible, that are hard. Work's terrible. Your kids are misbehaving. You're, you're, you're an empty nester, and, and, and you've watched your kids walk away from the church, and you're wondering, when are they going to return? Are they going to return? And your heart aches. Your faith gets, gets tried again and again, and, and you think, I should just lay it down. And Daniel 7 to 12 says, no, no, it's just for a time and a season, this suffering. It will end. It will be done. Daniel 7 speaks to us of 
this ancient of days. It says, as I looked, thrones were set in place and the ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. And the court was seated and the books were opened. And I continued to watch because of the boastful words of the horn was speaking. And I kept looking until the beast was slain. And its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. And the other beast had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. The Ancient of Days reigns. God is sovereign over all. And those seasons of struggle and pain and suffering and great temptation, He is sovereign over them as well. And He has said what? That the great and boastful beast will be slain and thrown into the fire, fire and devoured by the flames. That place in your life that you long to be free of is only temporary. It will not last. The Ancient of Days reigns. And evil has already lost. Our Lord has won. You have the power because of the work of Christ to persevere, to push through, to weep when you need to weep and rejoice and rejoice because the end is written. And Daniel says it's hard for us to understand, right? I mean, he doesn't say that this is easy. We read those passages at the beginning because each time one of these ends and he's been given the interpretation, he still is what? Pale in the face. Ill for days. Have you been there? Unable to get out of bed and face what's tomorrow or even today? Daniel was. Daniel was there. And then it says what? It says, and then he got up and went about the king's business because of the assurance of God's plan that God will have the final say, that God will win the day. You know, that, that picture of the cross that through its suffering secured for us the unfathomable grace is echoed in, in, in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 um, begins with a, a call. Therefore, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not 
so that you will not what? Grow weary and lose heart so that you will persevere, so that you will keep going. Daniel says that. It's the Son of Man that dominion is handled over to. Jesus says of himself what? The Son of Man. He calls himself that. He uses those exact words. He's quoting Daniel 7 when he uses them. He is the one that Daniel proclaims to us. The one who is the anointed one. The one who has been given dominion and power. He tells us that, right? Matthew 28. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. If you've been around the church, you've heard it a lot. It's Jesus' final instructions to his disciples in Matthew. And we we usually start it with the the therefore go, but it's actually before that that really, I think, is the words of comfort to his people and to his disciples. Because it says they saw him and they worshipped him. And until I began to work on the, the, the growing together curriculum, there's a phrase right after that that I often overlooked, and by often, always. And some doubted. And some doubted is right there. It says, and they saw him and they worshipped him and some doubted. And he came to them. And he proclaimed to them, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. We often take those words and say, okay, so therefore go... But some doubted. And he came to them and said to them, All authority has been given to me. I don't I don't know where it is that you need to persevere. I don't know where it is you're struggling in your faith. I don't know where it is that you're doubting. But in their doubts, Jesus came to them and told them, All authority has been given to me. Daniel 7 says what? The, the, the Ancient of Days hands over the dominion to the one who is in the likeness of the Son of Man. And Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. It's, it, it's the culmination of those passages. Not in its fullness yet. He hasn't returned to bring about the fullness of his kingdom, but it started. He has dominion. Our Lord is reigning. And in our doubts, he comes to us. He comes to us in his word, and proclaims to us, all authority has been given to me. And then he closes out his instructions with what? And I am with you all the days until the end. I am with you until all the days until the end. Daniel 7 here to give us the courage to face our foes. To give us hope in our distress. And they give us the power to persevere by reminding us that Jesus has been handed all authority. By reminding us that he has run the race because of the joy set before him. So how do we live in a pagan world without becoming pagan? With our eyes focused on the end of the story that has already been written and made sure by the cross of Christ and by his victory over death itself and the resurrection. So we live in this world with courage and hope and perseverance by fixing our eyes on Jesus who has run before us. 
that we may finish the race. That we may live our lives in the allotted time and find rest, eternal, blessed, and sure rest, to be raised to an inheritance that is secured. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that our Savior, our King, the Lord of Lords, has all dominion and power and authority, and that he has won the field and routed the enemy. We thank you for the power he has given us in the Holy Spirit to face the evils in our life and our world with courage and hope and perseverance. Thank you for these things and for your word. Amen.